And welcome to another edition of Basketball 201. I'm Jared Morris, pleased to be joined by Ben Ladner for another week of digging into the film and talking about some more advanced basketball concepts. And Ben, it uh, hasn't been a whole lot of fun doing this since we started, but um, it sure has been educational. And we're going to talk today, I believe, uh, reflect on the last two games uh, with the Ohio State game, talk a little bit about defense and how Ohio State kind of used some of the things Indiana wants to do defensively against us. Uh, and then a little bit more uplifting talk about the offense and how it moved a little bit better against Iowa. But uh, you want to just start with any any overview comments from the two-game home losing streak before we dive into the video? Yeah, well, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll note that I was, I was actually sitting on Fisher Row for the Ohio State game uh, because Stu Jackson was not able to make it. And the person who was able to take his spot, didn't want to. Uh, so he offered it up to me and I was, I kind of filled in there. So that was cool. It was, it was cool wow. to see the game from a little bit different perspective there. Um, that was a lot of fun, kind of different view than, than the typical media seating. And, um, you know, saw it picked up on some things maybe that I normally wouldn't have. And, and that was just a kind of a cool place to be, even though you know, they put us there like for the big 10 tournament and stuff, you know, that similar type of, of angle. But I think being, you know, in that building, uh, having watched games in assembly hall from such a, from the same angle so many times, kind of changing it up was a lot of fun. Um, what, did, what did you pick up in particular? What, what interesting, just insights? kind of some of the things that go on on the bench and some of the, some of the, the talk, like from the, from the bench to the court, you know, things that the guys kind of like the, the communication between teams and coaches and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of just the speed of the game, you know, the, 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 you know, how quickly gaps close and how, how little space players really have to work down there always jumps out when you see it up close and, and kind of at the at full speed because when you're watching it from a distance or on TV or anything, I don't think you really get the same sense of like how fast things are moving and how little time you really have to make decisions and things like that. And then also the physicality. Uh, things are just so much more physical when you're, when you're right there uh, than they are when you're kind of looking at it from a distance. So that was fun. Aside from that, you know, not, not a lot of great basketball in that game. You know, it was kind of a sloppily ugly played game but the Iowa game I thought was you know there were some positives to take away there I actually didn't think that the, the, the team was that bad in either half it was just sort of you know they couldn't come up with that one stop that they needed they couldn't get that one bucket that they needed it seemed like every time Iowa made a made a run Indiana was right there with them and every time Iowa was in a dry spell Indiana was also in a dry spell they could just never kind of time yeah. it up so that they took advantage of Iowa's uh, you know, droughts and, and, you know, Iowa was, was able to take advantage of Indiana's. So that's kind of what it boiled down to for me. I didn't think that that was a particularly discouraging game other than the fact that they just didn't quite have enough there in the second half. So let's talk about this Ohio state game. And, you know, I do want to recommend if you're listening to this, you should definitely check out the latest film session over at inside the hall. I thought it was, it's one of the better ones that Ryan Carraz has ever done. And those are typically very good. But he went through, I think, nine different plays offensively. You know, that kind of showed the difference between how Indiana played with Justin Smith on the court and and, and how they played with Duran. And we're going to talk defense here. You know, we were just talking right before we went live. As I've reflected more on the Ohio State game, I've grown a lot more frustrated by that game because in hindsight, it feels even more winnable than it felt at the time. And it really just felt like, you know, well, yeah, the, the players definitely made some mental mistakes man, it just felt like they weren't being put in the position to win a game that they had, you know, I think more ability to win and really could have won. But, you know, we've talked a lot about Archie coaching so well in close games. I, I just thought he really got out-dueled in that one. And it seemed like there were 
you know, really easy for me to say, right? But it seemed like there right. were some clear things that we could have done to increase our chances to win, and we didn't. And it's just it's frustrated me more and more as I've thought about it and reflected on it. Do you do you kind of get that same? Did you have that same feeling about that game? Yeah, a little bit, and and that's kind of what's going to emerge as a theme here in these two clips I have from that game is just sort of Chris Holtman. You know, to his credit, I think he's a fantastic coach, and he was he was also really good in the, in his post game press conference. I thought he was really insightful. Um, maybe a little bit more uh, kind of friendly and open toward the media than Archie typically is, but he also had just won a game and Archie had just lost. So we'll, we'll give him a pass there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, it became clear. And I think, um, you know, hopefully these two clips illustrate that Chris Holtman knew what Indiana wanted to do. He, he knew what kind of system they wanted to execute on defense and he designed plays and actions to kind of counteract that specifically with Indiana kind of in mind. You know, he, he was able to take advantage of what, he knew their defense was going to give up. Um, and so, yeah, you talk about kind of getting outdueled tactically. I thought Chris Holtman got the better of that coaching matchup uh, just bit, you know, by his ability to draw up really creative things, X's and O's wise. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of what what these two clips will, will sort of show is, is just sort of the, not necessarily the, um, you know, the inherent flaws of Indiana's defense, but maybe just the execution and how, you know, they weren't quite on point. They were, they were maybe a step behind, a step slow, a step late, uh, getting getting things done, you know, making rotations, stuff like that, and that's what really cost them the lack of margin for error that you have right. in a defense like the pack line, where you really need everybody on the same page. All right, let's let's watch some clips. Yeah, so you know, I want to I want to preface this by saying I, I know that I have been you know not the biggest proponent of the pack line over this last year or so. It's uh, and and I'm still you know not not the biggest fan of it, even though I, I acknowledge that it can work in the right system with the right personnel. So maybe. A, a more you know a more useful way to frame this this uh this these clips is is maybe not this is what's wrong with the pack line defense as a defense fundamentally but maybe more this is what indiana failed to execute and yes. like you said the margin of error is just so small that when you're not able to execute everything down to a to a t and write you know like a like a clock and every all the gears kind of turning together if there's any one guy who's kind of not connected in the defense it can really cost you. So the margin of error is smaller and Indiana, it's their second year playing it. They're learning a new system with a new coach. There's going to be some of these flaws. And so, you know, maybe, maybe this is more instructive as far as what Indiana didn't do well, rather than what the pack line is not good at taking away. Although again, I am still not the biggest proponent of the defense in general. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll get into the clip here where basically we have, you know, Ohio state. This is, this is kind of late, first half Caleb Wesson uh coming up to set a screen for CJ Jackson Indiana as they typically do hard hedge with the guard getting over and keep an eye here on Kyle Young he's going to be in the right short corner here guarded by Evan Fitzner Fitzner's in good position Romeo Langford is in help position one pass away Al Durham same thing on the other side Jawan Morgan is going to get out and that's a pretty good hedge you know he forces the ball out of the hands of CJ Jackson Wesson rolls Fitzner is going to come over and this is where you know the maybe being a step slow and, and I think also just sort of you know what what kind of rotations the pack line mandates this is what kind of pulls Indiana out of position and gives Ohio State you know a, a pretty decent look they're not going to end up capitalizing on this but I think just the window that they get is is maybe something other teams could look at and say maybe we could try that against this team who if you look here one two three four against three you know, this is that kind of momentary four on three advantage I keep talking about with the pack line defense. These four red jerseys against three IU players who are basically zoning up against these guys. 
And so what you're going to see is when Wesson rolls, it's going to pull Evan Fitzner over to help on the roll man because Juwan Morgan's over here. He needs to recover. CJ Jackson smartly recognizes that you know there's two guys on him, so he gives the ball up. Romeo Langford's kind of out here. Maybe he could be a little, a little farther in, a little farther down to take away what's eventually going to be a lob to Kyle Young. So you just watch kind of how the defense pulls to go over to Wesson, and Young is all alone in the short corner. Now, the pass was terrible, as, as you can see, um, but watch Kyle Young, and the, the pass is in the air here. If this is on the money, he's going to go up and he's going to jam that thing, and that's two easy points because you know Fitzner is going to have to slide over here. If he doesn't, then Caleb Wesson gets a wide-open layup, which is maybe even a higher percentage shot than this alley-oop attempt. Um, so this, this is just one of those things where Chris Holtman kind of knew what Indiana was going to do. He knew who was going to be open as a result. And what I really liked about this play was it's taking advantage of kind of the secondary rotation, which is really interesting because a lot of the times you see opponents maybe beat Indiana and, and burn them on kind of that first rotation. You know, it's the swing pass, swing pass, uh, taking advantage of that, you know, the hedge guy being out of position. But Ohio State, actually, they they take advantage of the help man being out of rotation, which is really interesting because it's you have to think kind of farther ahead and you really have to execute and manipulate the defense just so so that you're able to pull this guy out. So you're you're getting one guy out of position, then the second guy out of position and taking advantage of that, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, and again, a better pass probably ends in two points. So you talked about the momentary four on three advantage. Is that a function of the pack line or is that a function of the fact that we're hedging the ball screens? Well, and, the hedging and, is part of the pack line. That's that's one of the principles. I think you see most teams that run the pack line, they tend to hedge screens. So it it is just kind of a, directly, it is a result of hedging because you're getting the second guy all the way out there. But most teams that run the pack line are going to do that just as part of their base defense. Mm, to, to try and stop the dribbler. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the whole idea is you put, and Archie Miller said this actually last night on uh, on his radio show. He, he said how, you know, their defense is all about putting pressure on the ball. And any team that runs the pack line, that's what it is. It's you want to pressure the ball. You want to stop dribble penetration and, you know, kind of take care of things from there. Uh, and and other teams, you know, who run uh, different defenses will say, OK, we want to take away threes or we want to take away shots at the rim. Uh, so it's just what you prioritize on. It's what a certain scheme prioritizes taking away. And for for Archie and, and Indiana and the pack line, it's about taking away dribble penetration and it's about taking away ball handlers kind of vision and passing lanes yeah okay so the second clip is from a little later in the ohio state game actually the the one of the last plays of the game the decisive bucket mm. that gave ohio state the lead for good um and and this is another one where it's clear that it's an intentional you know it's an intentionally designed play to take advantage of what indiana is gonna you know kind of seed to its opponent and, and chris holtman and, and cj jackson and andre wesson actually said this after the game, that the, this play is designed to get Andre Wesson a dunk going to the basket. And that's exactly what happens. And if you watch it, it kind of looks like they want to get Caleb Wesson coming up here, maybe for a three, kind of space the floor, maybe let CJ Jackson drive out of the pick and roll. Um, but it is designed actually for Andre Wesson to get going toward the basket because Ohio State knows exactly what Indiana's going to do. And again, Indiana did kind of more or less what they wanted to. It was just you're going to see Romeo Langford here in a few seconds is going to be a step out of position. And that's, you know, the decisive step. If he's, I'll, I'll kind of show once I get the thing rolling, if he's a, a step closer toward the midline, maybe he ends up, you know, making a game saving play, but at any rate, they're going to inbound the ball and kind of go into this box. These two guys are going to fan out to the left wing as soon as Jackson kind of initiates it. So you get a down screen coming up. Muhammad's going to come through. 
sets a uh, Andre Weston sets a back screen here for CJ Jackson, who's going to come right back up and get it on the ball reversal and watch. So right here, Caleb Wesson, who's posting up to Juan Morgan's fronting. Good job taking away the pass. Caleb Wesson, as soon as his brother catches this ball, is going to start moving up toward the top of the key. And Jawan Morgan, who's guarding him, has to follow him up there. And so what you see is they kind of transition. Because he's, right. he's a good shooter. Exactly. Yeah. So so Holtman is kind of leveraging that against Indiana. You know, they know the threat that, that he poses. If he catches wide open for a three, there's a decent chance he's going to make it. So Ohio State goes right into a pick and roll here. Justin Smith on the hedge is going to come out above the level of the ball. And Wesson just slips right to the basket. And you watch the way Ohio State has the, the floor spaced. You've got Devontae Green over here um, guarding the guy on the wing. You've got Romeo Langford on Luther Muhammad in the corner. And I think if Indiana could have this one back, Archie Miller would tell Romeo, get at least one foot in the paint here, right? Because you see both of his feet outside the lane. And he actually comes over and makes a good play on the ball. He just can't quite get there. He's not quite in time. And if he's a step earlier, a step closer to the lane, you know, there's a chance that he comes over and makes an athletic play. Maybe not. Maybe he still gets dunked on. Maybe he gives up an and one. Who knows? But um, I, I think just the the slight lack of positioning there is ultimately, you know, aside from just the schematic elements that made that possible, is ultimately what dooms Indiana on that play. But again, a really well-designed play by Chris Holtman. They got exactly what they wanted. They knew exactly what Indiana was going to do, and it was great execution. What year is C.J. Jackson? Is he a senior? I think he's a senior, yeah. What year is Andre Wesson? Is he a junior? Or senior. So, so I, I want to say senior, actually, because he's been around for he might a be. while. So what strikes me there is, you know, you have some juniors and seniors. I'll, I'll double-check that fact-check before we get done here. Uh, the guy on the ball, Rob Finnessy, is a freshman. The guy guarding the screener is a sophomore, Justin Smith. Yeah. And the guy who was in the most important help side position is a freshman, Romeo Langford. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, the pack line defense and the intricacies and everybody being on the same page, there's a reason why teams that are good at the pack line, you know, like your Virginias, tend to play a lot of, you know, juniors and seniors, you know, maybe have guys redshirt, guys that have been in the system for longer. So, you know, look, one of the things that is becoming clear to me as we go through this season, and it was even clear last season, is if we're going to commit to this, if this is what we're going to do, then we are really going to have to get old and stay old. And I, I mean, I think Archie, well, you know, full well knows that. And I think that's what he's intending to do. But it does show that when, you know, you're in your second season and you've got a huge, you know, you have to replace a lot of seniors, you've got a huge influx of new talent and freshmen, and you're relying on a lot of freshmen and sophomores, this kind of, uh, Kent said Andre is a junior. Okay, thanks for that, Kent. So yeah, yep. so you know, upperclassmen. When you're relying on a lot of young guys like this, you're going to have some of those issues, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we're just going to have to deal with that until we get older. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't take a guy like, you know, Romeo Langford, but, you know, Indiana is not going to build a successful system under Archie Miller getting a whole lot of one and dones. You know, we are going to have to get guys that are going to become juniors and seniors you know, sprinkle in some young guys that are really, really talented because you may be able to deal with one younger guy, you know, playing when you've got the other four on the same page, if you can get that guy up to speed. But man, you just see, I mean, we've seen it all season long, time after time, you know, one guy out of position, like you said, can mess the whole thing up and it can be a really effective defense when it's run well, but it, you know, you've got to have everything kind of set up to help make it successful. And right now, this roster just isn't set up to do that, and Archie isn't really willing to make any adjustments. He wants to run his system, right. and you know what? 
like on the one hand, fine, because guys are learning it and getting reps. But on the other hand, you're going to deal with plays like that. And there's just there's no other way around it. So you've either got to sacrifice some of that long-term growth in the short term to do something different, or we're going to be committed to this and we're just going to have to deal with some of those you know, some of those issues. And it's frustrating, but that's kind of the reality of this season. Yeah, that's really well said. That's kind of the rub between do you want immediate, do you want to maximize the fact that you have two of the five, six, seven best players in the Big Ten and really go for it this year? Um, if so, I think the way to go would have been to change up your scheme, maybe simplify things and, and make it easier on those guys. But like you said, it's and like we've talked about before, it's impossible to develop those habits and, and get those reps if you're not actually doing it. And so you know, what happens when you don't have the, the big time one and done recruit? And you you really do need to execute a system. Do you have guys that know how to do that and and everything? And that's why it's important too to keep in mind that Archie is in his second year. It's important to give coaches time because even guys like you look at the other two players who are on the floor. Jawan Morgan's a senior. Devontae Green's a junior. But it's really only their second year running this defense because they ran a different system under Tom Crean. And so you got to have not only the give the coach time to to put his stuff in, but you know have the players give them time and give them the reps, like you said. Um, to really get that under their belt. So it is, it's a tough situation. Um, and, and again, it's, it's kind of this, do you want, do you want to simplify things and kind of streamline this one season? Or do you want to look forward and take the long view? Um, and, and, and there's really no perfect answer. It, it's just kind of, that's, that's why it's important to, to build a culture, build a system. You look at a guy like Tony Bennett, who's been at Virginia for a number of years, and he's able to kind of put in those those elements that he wants to do and once you get that institutional knowledge kind of that systematic carryover then you kind of start getting it the, the rate of you know the rate of growth the rate of learning is a little bit faster and we sound like broken record saying it because we've been saying some yeah. variation of this for yeah that's true months now but but you know part of that is because it's true it's also really frustrating in the moment you know the thing is we just you have to make sure if we're in year seven of this well you know it's only the seventh season they've been running the pack line so like you know at right. some point like that excuse will stop but it is you know it is a valid it's kind of a combination explanation and excuse right now because it is a valid right. explanation but it also should be better by now it feels like so it's you know you're kind of towing that line you know Aaron in the chat mentions you know that concerns me if Archie is unwilling to adjust I get it but stub I get it but stubbornness if it continues long term will not allow Archie's success here I will say this I I see his perspective on it and I get it and in less emotional moments when I'm not a prisoner of the moment, I think I actually appreciate the stubbornness on defense yeah. in the big picture because I think in years four, five, six, you may look back and say, boy, those were some hard times, but look at how good we are defensively now. And part of that is because you know of how good Al Durham is and he's in his fourth year doing this. I foresee that as being a realistic possibility. Where the stubbornness does concern me a little bit more is on the offensive end. That's yeah. where I get a little bit more frustrated by it. Um, and, I don't, and again, some of that is highlighted in that inside the hall piece. I don't know if we're going to talk as much about that here, but that's where it concerns me a little bit more because it seems like his identity is less defined on that end than the defensive end. So that's where you would hope for maybe, and you know, again, it's only his second year, so maybe we'll see it more as it evolves. But that's been the concerning part for me as this season has gone on. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I don't see a lot of creativity on the offensive end at times. Um and and the clip I'm about to show from the Iowa game is a good example of how they can kind of unlock some things with some passing and ball movement. And and, and ball movement really is the key, I think, to this offense. As good as Romeo Langford is, as good as Juwan Morgan is, um, you know, you, you got to move the ball. You got to generate. If you're going to knock down open threes, you've got to generate those threes through ball movement. You, this team just doesn't have guys who are great shooters off the dribble. And 
Romeo can hit shots from the mid-range off the dribble from time to time, but he's not going to come off a pick and roll and pull up for three very often. Devontae Green can do it sometimes, but you know, oftentimes it ends in an air ball or, or, or a bad shot or something. Al's getting, Al's getting better at it. He is, he is, but he is, I think still is more of a catch and shoot guy. Fantasy yeah. is not really a pull up three guy at this point. So it's gotta be through ball movement. And I'll say, I would like to see them go back to Juwan Morgan in the post a little bit more. And I know teams are doubling him and forcing the ball out of his hands, but if they could be a little bit more intentional about that, maybe they could, you know, like, like we touched on, we, we spent a whole segment of this earlier in the season talking about Juwan's passing out of the post and maybe they find a way to go back to that a little bit, but then you fall back into that trap of being one dimensional and, and running your offense through only one guy. And so again, we're, we're just generally too willing to take what the defense gives us, but the defense is giving us what they want us to take. Exactly. That's my frustration with the offense. Yeah. And you know, Iowa did a good job of that with their two, three zone. And, and I guess this is kind of a nice segue into this next clip because it took Indiana a little bit to figure out this two, three zone that Iowa threw with them. It, it just, you know, a team that doesn't have much shooting, they didn't really have much of a of, of a response here. But I really thought Deron Davis was kind of the turning point in in making things happen offensively in that game. And, and the same was true for Michigan State, too. I mean, he's just... And Ohio State. It's been a theme. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been on fire passing the ball. Just absolutely um, has shown some, some great vision and really improved in that department as well. And credit Davis, too, for kind of reinventing himself, right? I mean, he was, he was kind of the go-to low block post scorer on this team last season before he tore his Achilles. And then over the summer you have, and I guess over the course of last season, Justin Smith comes out of his shell. Romeo Langford arrives on campus. Juwan Morgan takes another step forward. Uh, and you just kind of have these guys who are, it, it kind of starts looking like they're going to take some of Davis's touches. And so he's kind of reinvented himself into more of a playmaking big than just a scoring big. Uh, and it is important that he can still score the ball because that unlocks some of his passing because the defenses have to respect him. Uh, but I think he's been really, really good coming in off the bench. And I was actually a little curious why he didn't play down the end of the Ohio State game either, because with a big guy like Caleb Wesson, I think he could really use that defensive presence with this, with Davis's size and everything. And I think you know, everyone was curious about that. Yeah, offensively, he was having a really good game. I know he had four fouls, but you know, if he fouls out, he's on the bench anyway, and so you might as well try it. And if you have to sit him, then you have to sit him. But I, I think I think preach, Archie Ben him, preach. <laughs> there you go. I think Archie pulled him a little bit soon, and even as he was coming off the floor, I was kind of thinking, well, that's interesting. And Justin Smith wasn't having the best game in the world either, so I, that was a little uh, a little curious, I'll say. Uh, as was the decision, by the way, a uh, little unrelated, but to put Evan Fitzner in for defensive possessions down the end of the Iowa game. I I didn't. Uh, I mean, it it ended up working all right because they just fouled and and you know it was fine, but. Yeah, they put in Fitzner just to play defense, and I, you know, I like Evan Fitzner. Seems like a good guy, but uh, he's not he's not necessarily a defensive stalwart. Anyway, um, <laughs> the two three zone that Iowa ran, they kind of they they struggled with it initially. They weren't really getting anyone in the high post because Juwan was posting up and Justin was kind of running these short corners. Eventually, when Deron Davis came in the game, he kind of starts standing around this high post area, just going elbow to elbow, depending on where the ball is. You see, they'll swing it to the right side. He'll go to the right elbow. If they moved it back left, he'd go left. Justin Smith is kind of working the opposite of that. This is basic two, three zone offense. You know, you get one guy kind of behind the defense working short corner to short corner. You get one guy working high post to high post, and then three guys on the perimeter swinging it around. We call this spin in high school. I'm sure every high school has this, this offense. They call it different things, but this is pretty basic stuff. So finally, Indiana gets it going and they enter the ball to high post. This is exactly what they want because you pull two defenders over 
to uh, to Devontae Green. And really, I was in kind of more of a, a three-two, but because there's not really anyone on this side until Justin Smith comes over, Joe Wieskamp kind of pulls up to double team over here on the wing before sinking back down. And so they get it to to Deron Davis. And because Wieskamp's out of position, you look at, I mean, every everyone on Iowa's team is over on this right side of the floor. And Justin Smith just sneaks behind the defense. By the way, Al Durham wide open too if you know if they needed that. But Justin Smith just kind of sneaks behind and gets an easy dunk. And that's a very simple play. It's just a result of moving the ball and kind of working your offense. But I think once Duran kind of became that hub and kind of showed off his vision a little bit, I mean, you just look at the way he catches, turns, finds the open man, and just makes the pass. I mean, that's, again, kind of simple. But just to have a big guy that can do that, it really does unlock some things for your offense. What I love about watching Duran play is – he has a lot of really subtle skills that are really important. I mean, everybody knows about the footwork and his ability to get the ball up yeah. on on the glass and all those things in the post. But what's really come around, I think, the last three games is the fact that when he does get the ball, he keeps it high. He really he, he's got really strong hands, yeah. and he's almost perpetually pass faking. Like just the yeah. way that he holds the ball, it's kind of it's kinetic, and so it feels like it just it puts the defense like it, it's like they don't quite know what to do. But then, it, you know, when someone does flash open, he sees him and he's ready to fire a really good pass. Like those skills, you know, for a big man have just been so impressive to, to see from him. Um, and that's, you know, a big part of the reason why the offense has, func- has functioned better because teams know that he can score so well on the block. But now that his passing is such a threat, it just opens so, so many things up. And, and the thing is, you know, when he's in there for Justin, the way that teams are defending Justin right now, where they're just sagging completely off. They're just daring Justin to do the things he's not good at, which is be a spot-up shooter and go off the dribble. And yeah, he's going to do that sometimes because he's in the game and you kind of have to, but it just almost never works out well. But when Duran's in there, he attracts so much of that attention and it just opens everything up again. It's just, I mean, it's, it, it's just a completely different look for Indiana. Yeah, and I think, you know, he, he's really decisive too when he gets the ball. He's either turning and facing and making a pass or like you said, kind of doing that shake the ball, pass fake kind of thing, um, and then making a, a one-two dribble move, you know, quick, decisive, going to the basket, either spinning or going for a hook or, or something. He's got a lot of good post moves. Um, and I also think that Juwan Morgan being able to shoot the ball a little bit better this year allows you to play that combination more often because yeah. right now, Juwan's a much better shooter than Justin Smith. And I get the advantages that Justin Smith gives you on defense. I've been one of the people touting those advantages all season long. I, I think he's fantastic on defense. Um, although he's slipped, I think a little bit the last couple games, but I, I get the advantages of Justin Smith. You want to have some more speed, some more athleticism. Uh, that's all. That's all well and good. But I do think right now the best front court option, it, I, I, at least you know something I'd like to see more often, is Jawan Morgan and Deron Davis playing together. And, and Archie has said that they they plan on kind of going to that a little bit more here, seeing what they have with that. But I just think the amount of skill, the amount of you know kind of touch and intelligence you have on the offensive end with those two guys is something worth exploring. So another good example here from the Iowa game of, of Duran's impact. And you could apply this to the Michigan state game, you know, the Ohio state game, any of Indiana's last three or four games ever since Duran's been healthy. I think he's had this similar kind of impact. So again, it's, it's this two, three zone and, and I was a little kind of morphed out of position here, but you can kind of see the back three guys are playing a little high. Uh, and, and with, with Wies camp kind of over here at the midline rather than being out on the wing, but at any rate, you know, they're kind of vaguely in this 2-3. So they're going to go to Duran on the elbow. Indiana's kind of running a, a horn set. 
more often you see this run against man to man, but it's basically you, your point guard and then four guys kind of across uh, the, the foul line extended area. Um, but they enter the ball to Deron Davis. Iowa collapses, and Davis, like you said, immediately catches, surveys the floor. You got Jawan Morgan ducking in here, so that's that option brings Tyler Cook over. And again, Joe Wieskamp is a little bit out of position, and Deron Davis just kind of reads the floor, sees Devontae Green sliding to the corner. The pass wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. Green was wide open, and he sunk the three. So smart movement there by Devontae Green, and then a, a great pass by Deron Davis. Two guys who I think have really given Indiana some good offensive energy uh, the last few games ever since Michigan State. And like the last clip, that's a pretty simple play. You know, I think any big man willing to look up and survey the floor and who has any kind of passing faculty uh, is able to make this play, but it's the willingness and and kind of the uh, the improvement that Duran's shown over the last year or so to be able to make those plays that's been really impressive lately. Yeah, I mean, it just it feels like we just need to max out as many minutes with him as we can, and we know that you're you know you're going to get maybe a max of twenty three, twenty four minutes out of him. But to me, it just seems like at this point, I think you've got to start him so that you get off to better yeah. starts at games and halves, and you've got to finish games with him, and you figure out what to do in the middle. But all of our best lineups since he's come back have been with him in there, and the season you know really took a nosedive when he got hurt in that Illinois game. So yep. I, I think those things are related. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Archie adjusts there um, because I yeah, think, I think that'll be point. really telling. And it seems like the solution is clear from the outside looking in. Granted, we only see about 10% of it, but be interested to see what they do here down the stretch with that. Yeah, and it could also be a matchup thing too because you, know, you look at kind of the, the teams left on Indiana's schedule. I think Purdue, Justin Smith is actually a better matchup there. You play small with Juwan at the five, but you've got Michigan state coming up as well. And obviously Duran was key in swinging that game. His size helps them match up with Nick Ward a little bit, Wisconsin who plays, you know, who plays Ethan Happ at the five. Um, they're, they're going to be maybe a tough matchup for him defensively. That's the one thing I worry about with Duran is as good as he is on offense and as quick as he can be at times on offense, it just doesn't really carry over to the defensive end much. And part of that is the ankle and just him not being as mobile as he once was. But, um, you know, so so there are certain matchups I think he could struggle against, but certainly coming up, Minnesota, I think he could be effective there. Iowa, again, obviously, uh, Illinois, Rutgers, all those teams who who kind of beat Indiana down with their size. I think Duran is is really helpful there. And you know, when you get flummoxed by some of these defensive schemes that that just lay off of Justin Smith or you know don't guard Rob Finnessy, he can be really helpful in just kind of giving you some motion, giving you some action. And just some passing, because again, the ball movement is what really, um, I think, is the the biggest barometer for this team's offense. When they're moving the ball, when they're assisting on a high percentage of their baskets, their offense generally is going to look pretty good. Now, in the Iowa game, it was their defense that kind of let them down a little bit. uh, But every game that they've been able to move the ball and generate high assist totals, those have been their best offensive games. And and again, it's not a coincidence. I think that is uh, a really good barometer of just how well the offense is functioning. And Right now, it's functioning better with Deron Davis on the floor. Yeah, the Purdue game will be interesting because uh, he doesn't really stand a chance of defending some of those ball screen actions that Harms put yeah. you in. But when they put Travion Williams in there, you can pretty much just match Deron with him minute for right. minute, and you know that that should help. So yeah, I mean, and and it will be dictated by matchups, and and we've kind of always known that all along with Deron, but he's just become so integral offensively you know, that at some point you may have to play him in a matchup that isn't so great and figure out a way to make it work on defense yeah. because the offense just literally goes to crap when he's not out there right now. I mean, like painfully. Yeah, and the flip side, maybe the flip side, maybe of him giving up some quickness 
on the defensive end is that he's got a size advantage and a power advantage on the other end. And so maybe you take him down in the post, let him do some damage there. Um, generally, I would say it is it is not worth the defensive um, you know liability to have that offensive advantage with a post player just because perimeter players, I think, are, are more valuable than post-up bigs on offense. But Indiana just doesn't have any shooting. They don't have any guys who can really get to the basket other than Romeo Langford. And so they're at a point where a post up by Deron Davis is maybe a more efficient source of offense than an, an open three or a driving layup from one of their non-Langford guards, um, which maybe says more about the state of Indiana's offense right now than it does about Davis himself, but still. You know, and part of it is, like, it's easy to say we don't have any shooting, and I get the point that you're making there, but the thing is, like, we do have some shooting. You know, like, Al Durham has become a, a decent a good three-point shooter. You know, I would say he's yeah. good. He's not great, but he's good. Devontae Green is a good three-point shooter. Romeo Langford has been much better lately. Finnessy is struggling major since the concussion. But yeah. the thing is, all of those guys shoot better when Duran's on the court. You know, and once I looked at those numbers, you know, it's like, okay, is this just kind of a statistical anomaly? I don't think so, because I think they really get better rhythm shots when Duran's in the game. And, you know, we talked with John Chrisman about that on podcast on the brink about, you know, because I asked him, I was like, you know what, if you could go work with Indiana shooters and fix their shooting for a week, if you were the shot doctor, what would you do? And it was basically I'd work on the offense to get them more shots in rhythm. Yeah. They just need more shots in rhythm. And that's what they get when Duran's on the court. And it really, I mean, that, and that's, it's such a big liability for this team when they're not shooting well, but they do seem to shoot it a lot better when he's out there. Yeah, and by the way, Romeo's up to like 27% from three, which is still not great, but you you factor in that he was like 21% for most of the year. He's he's 11 he's for his last on. 26, and some of those yeah. have been catch and shoot too, which he was really right. struggling on before. Yeah, um, that, that'll be something to watch, I think. I, we may be at the point in the season where it's it's kind of too late for him to, to really make a full season turnaround and kind of get that up like in the mid-30s, like I expected him to, but, you know, just... Any uptick you can get kind of late in the year is always a positive thing. Yeah. Hey, all that matters from here on out is what he shoots for the next seven, eight games. So right. leave yeah. the leave the rest of those games in the rear view. Yeah. What else do we have? Is that all the clips? That's it. I only got four. Okay. No, I mean, that's those clips showed a lot. You know, uh, Bob mentioned in the chat, you know, don't see Romeo learning the pack line. Don't see how that helps long range. That's the thing. It doesn't like, yeah. you know, Romeo is a part of this team's present and you wanted to maximize it as much as possible. But you also have to try to balance that with the program that you're building in the bigger picture. So and, you know, and that could have been a choice Archie would have made. And, you know, it would have been defensible if it's like, OK, we're going to do something different this year to kind of match this personnel. But then at the same time, you know, now if you're in year five and it's like, man, this pack line is really struggling. It's like, well, of course it's struggling because Archie, you know, compromised his first couple of years to maximize his talent. He never yeah. allowed the the new defense to come in. So it's like this it's like this balancing act. And and that's the thing. Like, you know, he's Romeo's defense has improved. He's never going to be a perfect pack line defender because he's only going to get one year in it. Right. But you you know, you kind of hope that his offense helps to compensate for that and that you can figure out other ways to make up for it. And right now, Indiana just hasn't found those other ways to make up for it, in part because for as uneven as the defense has been, the defense has been good enough to be top half of the Big Ten and to be a clear yeah. NCAA tournament team. The issue is that this team will go nine minutes in games without scoring. That's the problem. And the fact that they can't yeah. adjust at all in those moments is what's been killer. Yep, yep. It, it uh... It has not been great at, at certain times, that's for sure. No, no, it has not been. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm looking on Ken Palm. They're 34th in adjusted D, 72nd 
in adjusted offense. So, you know, still have the 45th best margin uh, per Ken Palm, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, a lot of that is from those early season wins, kind of the blowouts. And certainly you've seen games where they don't look like a top 100 offense or defense. So it's just the consistency again, like, yeah. like I said, about the Iowa game, it's just finding that consistency. Sometimes they'll go, you know, game to game without being consistent. Sometimes they'll go half to half. Sometimes it's minute to minute or possession to possession where they just can't be consistently locked in and consistently well-functioning on either end of the floor. And, and just to, there've been very few times where they've, they've looked good on offense and defense at the same time. And that's, that's a problem. That's, that's a major problem. All right. Any final thoughts before we close up shop here? So we have a nice long wait until Indiana's next game. Uh, no, I'll just add that the, uh, the IDS intramural team won their first game of the season last night. So, uh, what kind of system are you guys running? Uh, we run, just guard the guy who's closest to you and see what happens. So <laughs> that, that tends to work out <laughs> with mixed results for us. But, uh, yeah, I actually think Seth hit a three last night. So, uh, did he really? <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. So that was, Very that nice. was, uh, that was good to see. Guard the guy who's closest and see what happens. And some, sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's. You know, God knows what we we ran that defense here for about nine <laughs> years, and I don't think anybody was too happy with the result. No. So we may just have to be patient to uh right. to get a good defensive system. Yeah, in there. we resemble we much more resemble a, a Tom Crean team than an Archie Miller team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, you know, <laughs> based on the results that we've seen, not a bad thing. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Thanks for doing this as always, Ben. Yeah. And uh, you will see Ben in your inbox. Are you doing the post game email for Minnesota, or did you just do the last one? I forget. I I had the last one. Okay. So, so but I, I might still do this one. We'll see. Okay. See what I work with, Seth. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. We will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio. Take care. Worried about mom or dad falling? The Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health helps make their home safer, even if you can't be there. Symphony works with voice activation or a care button they can opt to wear, along with smart sensors for coverage around the home. With 24-7 emergency response and an app to tie it all together, you can monitor your loved one's well-being for enhanced peace of mind. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS health hub. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.